Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Airwave, the Airwave Performance Mouthpiece, helping you to use breathing to your advantage. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG wireless ICS system can bring cutting edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere at any time on any aircraft. Plus with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment, 
All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast and they'll take care of the rest. And airway. What if I told you that you could train harder for longer and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece? I know. I questioned it too. Then I gave it a try. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece is a breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with over 15 years of peer-reviewed published research at the Citadel to open your airway by 25% for improved breathing, resulting in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate, an increase in muscular endurance, and 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, now I'm able to train harder, recover faster, and be even more prepared for when that SAR alarm goes off. You don't need to take my word for it. Try it yourself and see how you can use your breathing to your advantage. Go to airwave.com or visit them on Instagram at airwave to learn more about it. Then, when you're ready to give it a try, because you heard about it here at The Real Rescue, you get 10% off with the promotion code REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. In this episode of The Real Rescue, we are joined by a United States Marine Corps pilot. He did some time overseas, and while he was there, he was tasked with a rescue mission. Now, this rescue mission is not quite like some of the rescue missions we've heard. However, a rescue mission nonetheless. So please welcome our next guest, Mr. Daniel Faust. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Rescue Podcast. Uh, So today, I finally have another U.S. Marine Corps guy. Um, So I would say prior, but I I think that's more of an insult. Like he's he's like smiling right now. He's like, "Oh no, what's a Marine? Always a Marine. Who are? Right? Is that right? Is that right? Who? That's right. Yes, sir. (laughs) I love it. Well, today, Mr. Daniel Faust, welcome to the show. What's up, brother? How are you? Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing? Man, I'm fantastic. I, I'm, I'm psyched you came on. And I was actually like really going back. Um, I did actually have one other pilot that was in the Marines, but he was also in a whole bunch of other services. So it was like, uh, he was like, oh, I did this here and then this one in this service and then this in this service. I was like, man, that that's pretty cool. But for you, you are a sole, single Marine Corps guy. Hua. Yes, sir. You know, absolutely. Well, actually, I... I... I think I told you at one point I tried to do uh, after I left after I I was trying to EAS and and I did and then I started looking into Coast Guard seeing what they did because I love the uh, CSAR missions they did I always thought that was pretty awesome. See, everybody wants to join the Coast Guard. Actually, I have a close <laughs> buddy of mine that ended up doing that. He was uh, he he did it for a long time. I think he's about retired now. But oh, that's fantastic. Yep. See, I like it's one of my best friends actually was a. Actually, I take that back. A couple of my best friends were were Marine Corps guys. Actually, somebody in my swimmer school was a Marine Corps guy. Man, you, what what is it like? Is there something? What's the appeal? Is it because you get to stay in the stateside? What? Come on. 
What is it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they just want to dominate another uh, branch or uh, something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know I, I don't know. I, I, mean, might, I might take that. <laughs> there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things that other branches get to do that the Marine Corps does not. Um, and and every branch, God bless them all, because they all have their specialties and the way they operate. Marine Corps is very different than every other branch, uh, and everybody has the way of of how they operate. And everybody, like when I was growing up, it was either Marine Corps or um, I really liked the PJs. I always thought that would be so cool to be, you know, going doing that stuff, going flying for the PJs and um, doing the Air Force side of things. But then I started looking into CSR and then some of the you know, watching what you guys did in the Coast Guard with some of the drug running. Um, well, you're going after the drug runners, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Super cool. So every everybody's got a cool, cool um, mission. So I've uh, looked at a couple of different ones, but Marine Corps was always number one. And and thank the Lord, that's what I got to do. You know what? I'll take it. I'm, I'm very good at that. Even the mug. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, he's got a mug, the Marine Corps mug. Like, oh, man, what's a Marine? Always a Marine. I that's right and i got my uh box of crayons next to me so if i get hungry yeah <laughs> of course jarheads huh that's right no, I can't. that's right but you know what i'm a puddle puddle jumper it's okay it's it's what we yeah. do <laughs> <laughs> and green is by far my favorite flavor of crayons so. oh my god that's freaking hilarious <laughs> oh that's funny well, Daniel, uh, you and I had a chance to meet at Heli Expo this past year. And mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, through my daughter, of all people. So Haley um, struck up a conversation with you. And the next thing you know, we exchanging cards and whatnot. And when you and I had a chance to sit down and talk, it was like, hey, I got a rescue story. And and I, my response, the first thing I thought of was like, well, I don't have a whole lot of Marine guys that ever come on to tell it. So what do you got? So you and I kind of talked about it. And it's I was like, yes, please come on and tell a story. So um, this is this is why you're here. You get to tell a rescue story that you did in the Marine Corps. But 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 before we get into that, just a little background. Give everybody a little little piece of you and who you are, where you're from, and how and why you joined the Marine Corps. Well, um, so yeah, I was uh, born in California and born in San Jose, California, and then. Um, I'd moved to Colorado about my second or third year in college and kind of fell in love with it here. Ended up going back to California to finish up school, then back out here. So I did a little bit of moving around uh, between the states, but always wanted to fly. So I knew I had to get my college degree. Always held jobs throughout college around uh, aviation, working at FBOs. I worked with bush pilots up in Alaska for a couple of summers, making money nice. for school. Um, did some other stuff, worked for a, helo, a helicopter company. Um, I was just part of the ground crew for that. And I tried to get into the Marine Corps to, to fly. I tried to get in actually three times. Uh, one time I broke my leg when I was uh, out with buddies. Um, but I had been working with recruiters and another. So I kind of got back into college because I couldn't do anything for the next month and a half. Anyway, I had a cast on my leg. I and, hate it when um, that happens. <laughs> yeah <laughs> plenty of things i uh yeah anyway long story there um, yeah a couple Wait, that's of, not um, this podcast okay yeah no that, <laughs> that, I, had, I had my buddies rescuing me so nice. um yeah anyways the uh and then another time tried to get in second time i was having problems with my color vision 
And then I had a third time where I had an aeromedical examiner that kind of helped walk me through and I was able to make it through. So I uh, finally made it into the Marine Corps. Aviation had been in my blood since I was a kid. So what I wanted to do. Um, so after I graduated, went into the Marine Corps, uh, did about nine years in the Corps, flew combat assault support missions, flew the Siege uh, 46 Echo. And then uh, after that was, um, I did some contracting for a little while. I actually flew UAVs for about a year and then went to, um, went on with DynCorp and um, flew with them for about another year and a half or so uh, doing stuff out of, uh, well, we did Kandahar and Kabul. I spend the majority of my time up in Kabul, but uh, it was it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. I miss the guys, and that was the hardest thing is just leaving the Marine Corps or the contracting. It's just the team. It was the guys, um, you know, from the Marine Corps itself. I miss my Marines the most. That was I love the hell out of them. They're awesome. Take care of them, and they will do anything for you. But you know, you got to definitely take care of them. They're great, great warriors. Uh, so, anyways, but this 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 whole rescue. <laughs> This uh, quote-unquote rescue mission wasn't anything like you guys do, you know, in the water and all that. This was just kind of a random, I thought about it, and I go, oh, this, this was kind of a rescue mission, I guess. But it was on the uh, it was on the contracting side, but it was kind of the Marine Corps good old boy club doing our thing. So that's what all it was. Right. I love it. Well, I, I'm ready where you are. I have no write-ups. There's nothing written about this. There's no, this is all like, you get, go. All right. <laughs> so I worked with, uh, so this is when I was with Dying Corp. And if you remember the um, the pullout of Afghanistan a year, I guess a year and a half ago, August, uh, that's that's who I was flying with at the time. So I wasn't okay. there. My buddies pulling everybody out of Afghanistan at that time, but I was not there. Um, but this was back in 2012, 2013, something like that. And we flew all kinds of missions. and. We would help DEA move their stuff around and do stuff with them. We did a lot of VIP stuff out of the embassy, just moving, you know, people you see on the news that are, you know, up in uh, DC, stuff like that. So we used to move them around. Uh, we'd insert, your, uh, insert security forces in the middle of the night, uh, doing different things for other missions that were upcoming or VIPs who were coming to certain villages, certain areas. Uh, and then we did another one that we just call hauling ass and trash. It was just, get somewhere move people that need to be moved around the whole AO um and uh you know doing doing that kind of stuff so anyways we um we had this one day where it was just a real quick all we need you guys to do you know it was a quick mission run up to this one fob uh forward operating base and pick up two packs and just bring them back We're like easy day no no problem and the state department had just gotten done telling us don't you guys, because what we would always do is when we, when we would land somewhere, people would run up to us and, hey, can you get us here, there? And sometimes there were uh, army, sometimes there were military allies, sometimes there were contractors, whoever. And if we had space and we we're going to that location, yeah, hop on. We didn't, you know, help each other out kind of a thing. And so we kind of got our hands smacked by the uh, State Department saying, don't you dare. You only pick up the people on the manifest because I think it was a who's paying for what is it DOD is it a three letter agency is it yeah. Dawson you know, whoever and so we're just okay whatever so we we got into a little trouble for that so we said all right we're sticking to it because you told us to whatever so we go up to this fob 
and it was about an hour away or so. And the uh, so we're, the the thing about it was it was a real sketchy fob, and we didn't go there very often. Maybe if we went there once a week, that was often. I mean, maybe two, three times a month was kind of when we went. Very random. Could have been morning, afternoon, whatever day of the week. So there was no set time to go in there. The thing with that zone is um, when you're going in, especially when it's hazy or bad weather, there were ground references we'd always hit. We'd look for a certain thing at a mountain range in front of you and uh, a little bit more off to the uh, to the right side of the aircraft. And you'd always find that ground reference point. And we always had a specific heading. You'd turn left to, I don't know, 270, 290, whatever it was, and you'd turn and then if you just kind of set your power and, and airspeed, you could just go right into the zone. <clears throat> Thing of it was, it was sketchy because it was real big bad guy country, but the zone was so small and it was surrounded by the uh, those big concrete barriers, not even the Hescos, yeah. but the big concrete. And it was so tight, you could only get one aircraft in there and you had to do it just right. I mean, once you're you know, 150 feet, you're committed. <laughs> you're, you're going in. <laughs> And so, anyways, I remember we were flying up there. We, um, you know, we turned, we're on our heading, we're uh, on short final uh, dash two. Uh, you know, our wingman would always stick right with us to about 150 to 200 feet and then break off, and they're covering us with their door guns. And so we go right into this um, LZ, we land. <clears throat> and so we're waiting on two passengers. I've got a copy of the manifest, my crew chief, uh, one of my crew chiefs, we always had two. And um, he's one of them's outside and he's still connected to ICS, the intercom system. So we're talking and he's he's going, hey, we got two guys we're waiting for. And they've got kind of typical, you know, Joe Smith kind of names. But there's a local that's running towards it or not running, but moving very fast with two other locals next to him. They've all got these little plastic bags in their hands, like little plastic shopping bags. And they're coming right towards the aircraft. And he's trying to wave them off, like, get out of here. We know it's not you. And they're trying to get on the back of this. You know, our ramp's dropped on the, our, our ramp on the back has dropped down. And he's trying to, he's going, guys, I'm not cool with this. I don't know who these guys are. I don't know what's in those bags. And, of course, the, the thing on our minds is, you, you remember um, some of the things like call sign extortion 17. You remember, yeah. I think, uh, recently there had been another suicide bomber ran up the back of a ramp on, a, on an Army Chinook um and and blew it up and so there was there was a lot of that still in our minds going keep those guys off the the aircraft and so it was kind of sketchy because we're still waiting for these other two guys to get on the aircraft and that, that were on our manifest and so co i told co-pilot hey you got controls and i jumped out just to kind of help out uh so i run off the back ramp and so we finally get the other two guys that are supposed to be there we see their id up there on the manifest okay get in here so we're trying to keep those other locals away from the aircraft, get the ramp up, get back in. And uh, we call dash two and say, hey, dash one's left in. And we're pulling power and getting the hell out of there. Just going, man, that is sketchy. I don't know who those guys were, why they're trying to get on our aircraft. Didn't know anything about them. So if I left them in the up, dust, dash, literally. Well, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah they, got, <laughs> they got dusted out, that was for sure. Uh, so anyways, we take off, we break away. And uh, so we make it back to uh, Kabul and we land and we shut down two guys, two packs, they're out of there and we're doing our post flight on our aircraft. Well, I noticed the 
uh, Department of State, the manager, kind of run that whole operation there, is walking over towards us. And I think one of my crew chiefs or somebody said, hey, Daniel, you need to go. Uh, I think he's motioning for you or something. So because I was the I was the mission commander for that one, too. So I'm like, OK, great. So I walk over and I go, yes, sir, what's going on? And he says, oh, man, you know, I just got called to the principal's office. Son of a... I know. <laughs> I didn't even do anything wrong. <laughs> I, I'm in trouble again, man. <laughs> so the, uh, yeah, so this guy goes, um, you didn't pick up. Uh, there was there was somebody you were supposed to pick up and you guys didn't pick him up. And I said, no, sir. I said, I've got the manifest right here. These are the two guys that just got off the plane. They just got off right over there. And he goes, no, I saw them, but there was a third guy you were supposed to pick up. And I said, no, sir, you guys just got done telling us, you know, only pick up the people in the manifest. This is the manifest he gave us this morning. We did it. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, you did what you were supposed to. He goes, it's our fault. But there was somebody you were supposed to pick up. We tried calling you on the radios, but of course, where we were, you know, an hour and whatever it was north of there, you just couldn't get that contact with the radios. Yeah. So he says, so he says, you need to go back and get this guy. He goes, it's our fault, but you need to go get him. And I'm going, uh, sir, this, this isn't a good place to go into, uh, you know, twice a week, let alone twice in the same day. <laughs> he's, just like, he's like, no, we tried to get you on the radios. It's urgent. Uh, people higher up in the State Department are waiting for this guy. You need to go get him now. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? And he goes, hang on, I'll get you a manifest. We've got it. And we'll have two guys waiting with him to walk him over to the aircraft. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, hell. So I go, okay. <laughs> so I got to go get, be the bearer of bad news. The rest of the guys, they start walking over the aircraft. They're kind of looking at me as they're closing it up after, at both the aircraft after doing the post flight. And they're looking at me. And I go, all right, guys, bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> they all kind of look at me and go, all right, what's going on? I said, we got to go back. And all of them look at me like, you got to be out of your damn mind. <laughs> they said, no, we got to go back. And like, why? And I said, we, there's somebody that was supposed to be there that we got to pick up. And they said, who? I said, I don't know. They're going to get me a manifest. People higher up in the State Department want to, you know, get this guy, uh, you know, waiting on this guy. So we got to go get him. And they're like, hell, I mean, you know, half of them are like concerned because this is bad guy, real good bad guy country. The other, the others are just concerned because the chow hall is about to close and we're all hungry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, Marine, it's like a double yeah, whammy. You know, it's like, I don't get food and I got to go back in. Oh, I know. On, it's, I know. <laughs> Not cool. Uh, if I have but, to eat one more MRE, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> well, that, and that was the thing I told the guy, I said, you know, I told the manager, I said, well, you better keep the chow hall open for us. <laughs> if we're doing this, you bet you guys better feed us and it better be good chow too. So oh anyway, so we uh, get back in the aircraft, we're both spinning up and uh, I taxi us all out and we start flying back up there. Now, the good thing is going into the zone, like I said, we went there two, maybe three times a, a month that I remember. I never remember going there twice a week and definitely never twice in the same day. So no one would be expecting us in and out of there. However, it's still middle of the day. And if there were any bad guys in the area, they're probably not too far away because it's, you know, an hour, hour and a half late or whatever, I guess about two hours um two to two and a half hours difference so they're probably not too far away and 
they know the route because we have to go any certain way. That's the only way in and out of there. So, you know, it's, it's not looking good for the home team. But anyways, we go flying back up. The hit that reference point and our dad, you know, turn left, dash twos right with us. We were committed, boom, we go right into the zone. <clears throat> and as we're landing, there's two guys who, I don't know if they were a three-letter agency, contractor, who they were, and one guy in the middle of the two of them. Of course, we blast them with all the dirt and dust because there's barely <laughs> space in there. I mean, you, you know, our rotor blade or yeah. rotor blades are uh, just, you know, a couple feet seems like from the uh, from those big concrete barriers. So blast the hell out of them. And sure enough, as the dust settles, they're walking over. My uh, one of our crew chiefs is dropping the ramp, and the guy in the middle of them is the main guy, the local that had been trying to run on the aircraft earlier that morning. Oh, and so geez. one of the crew chiefs is like, "Who the hell is this guy? And why did we not get you know?" So there's all the questions, but he was like, "Just get him on the plane. Let's get the hell out of here." So the two guys walk him up. We drop the ramp, and this dude runs on the ramp jumps in sits down on that seat and, and he's just like glued to it like let's get the hell out of here <laughs> we're looking at this guy going who is this guy <laughs> so we pull that ramp back up and i mean it was uh, we were on deck 30 seconds uh if that and so i called dash one said hey lifting or we called dash two said hey we're lifting pop up out of there we get out of there no one shoots at us great this is you know good day for america so we're out of there and we're, we're flying back. Dude, I freaking and, love you. So, so we're like, okay, this is good. Of course, no mission is complete till everybody's safe on deck. It's not just that we got them. We still got to get all the way back home and land safely, shut down the birds, everything else. So we're flying back at about where we knew we had radio, where we could call base and get uh, comms with them. Uh, I make the radio call and I just said, hey, base. Uh, Diablo 6-1 or whatever we were at the time, 6-1, uh, inbound, uh, two zero mens and uh, with package. And immediately the guy says, you're directed to go straight to the uh, terminal uh, as soon as you land. And so we go, okay. And the terminal was another section on the tarmac where other people would go uh, fly in and out. There were a couple little planes that Department of State Air Wing would fly people around. And so we said, okay, roger that. So we go land, we taxi in, and there's a group of people waiting for, uh, waiting waiting outside the terminal. We taxi up, drop the ramp, and this guy walks off the plane, uh, walks off of our uh, ramp, and we've got his two little plastic bags, you know, whatever was in it. I guess it was clothing or something. <laughs> my my uh, one of the door gunners hands it to him, and kind of as the guy walks out, and the people that were on the ground kind of surround him and start walking away. And so we're trying to think, who the hell is this guy? You know, is he good? Is he bad? What the hell's going on? Anyways, we're like, let's, you know, let's go shut down and go go eat some chow. So we taxi back over to where we park all of our stuff, shut down, and we're doing a post-flight. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see the, the uh, DOS manager, Department of State manager walking back over. And so I hopped off the aircraft real quick, and I walked over, and he's waving me over, and he says, Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. And I said, yes, sir. I said, uh, said everybody happy? And he goes, yeah. He goes, people at the par State Department, I just called them. They've been watching. They knew where you guys were, and uh, they're glad They're glad you guys went and did that. And I said, okay. I said, well, what was the big deal? What, what's going on? <clears throat> and he says, well, he says, uh, this guy that you just picked up, he is a local, but he's been an informant for us. 
and giving us all kinds of information about the enemy. And I said, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Sounds like a pretty important guy. And he says, yeah, so we, uh, we definitely had to go get him. And I said, well, yeah, but how long has he been, you know, an informant? They said, well, we've been working with him for a long time. And I said, why was it so important that we had to turn around and go back in the same day? And he goes, oh, yeah, about that. He goes, well, we were tipped off that the Taliban was on their way to kill him. <laughs> and, he goes, and I said, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, so uh, uh, we had to get him out of there as soon as possible. And I, I went, oh, okay. I said, did they know where he was? And they said, oh, yeah, the Taliban knew exactly where he was. And I said, when were the Taliban supposed to be there? And he's like, well, about the time you guys landed there the second time. Oh, <laughs> I said, oh. my God. I said, oh, okay, great. Good, good to go. Thank you. And so, uh, you know, I stopped for a second and I looked back and I said, Chaho's still open? He goes, it's all yours. You guys got it. No one's going to mess with you. Get away. <laughs> I said okay oh and i walked back gosh. over we finished uh you know post lighting the birds and uh put them away for the for the night and then walked back over to the chow hall and then sitting there over at chow i told the rest of the crew what had just happened and what i talked to the to the manager about and some of them laughed and some of them were like man that's pretty messed up <laughs> <laughs> but either way we had to get that guy out of there so it was a uh, it wasn't oh, quite the rescue story that you guys have, but at least we rescued this guy from the Taliban because they were on their way to, to you know, make sure he was no more. So wow, no kidding, and dang. Anyways, not a not a super cool story, but it was just kind of one of those. Oh, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> no, that's that's a super cool story. So that's something that I have never had the opportunity to be a part of. So I appreciate you sharing. As far as the yeah. DEA goes, like. You know, you, you can't win if you take extra guys. You can't win if you don't take extra guys. What the heck, man? Get your get your stuff together. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, well, no, that was that was the uh, State Department. Oh, State Department. Sorry. Yeah. So, no, let me yeah, give a hard Department. time to the State Department then. What the heck, State Department? Well, it's all those three together. different letters. Those those are difficult yeah. to remember. You know, the alphabet soup. But oh, no, we gosh. we did a little bit of work. DEA. Those guys were awesome. Always fun to hang out with them. Um, but the, um, yeah, I mean, State Department, they just, they had their, they had their rules and regulations and, and, um, you know, we get our hands smacked every now and then, but, but that was the thing. It's, you remember being out there in, in austere environments. And if anybody could help you out, you know, you always wanted to help the next guy out because you knew pretty soon it was going to come around right. and you needed some help. And so you always took care of each other and, uh, or you should have been, but, um, try it. Yeah. So. Yeah. whatever man awesome awesome daniel thanks for sharing the story uh one question that i've got and I, and i know like i said the uh the marine corps and you guys have a set very different mission than than i've ever done as far as u.s coast guard but is there anything that you guys could have or would have done different in that scenario um i not I don't know that we could have done anything different. I mean, the things that happened, well, I mean, if State Department had given us that third person's name in the first place, then okay, good yeah, go. right. <laughs> uh, then, then, then it would have solved the entire problem. But, it, you know, hey, calm problems happen, stuff happens late, plus I think, and they may have called, uh, the manager may have gotten a call after we had already launched on the first mission uh, because they did try to get us on comms 
but we're just too far ahead uh, away with the uh, mount one of the mountain ranges in the way. So uh, that's why they couldn't get us. Got it. But uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything at the time we could have done different. Um, I'm glad we got there when we did and got that guy out of there because <laughs> you know, God bless those those Afghanis who who helped us out. There were so many of them that really helped the uh, U.S. troops, the allies out and really risked everything, them, their their families, everything uh, for us. So God bless them for doing that. And so I'm glad we, we went back and did it. And yeah, you can grumble and, oh, that sucked and this and that, whatever, and chow and all the things. But you know what? It, it's just, you know, as Marines, it's one of the things I love is just, you just go do it and you just, yeah. you know, make it happen and get the mission done. So, yeah. Man, well done to you and your crew, both both crews actually for both helicopters. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah, no, that was they they were the best because we could. A lot of the times when we would fly, we were so we we're like a well-oiled machine. We could do a lot of the missions and rarely um, talk on comms. We we tried to um, limit as much radio talk, even with covered uh, frequencies. Uh, there were certain things our crew chiefs and door gunners would just give hand and arm signals out the door to dash two or vice versa. <clears throat> and we could just talk internally over ICS and we already knew what the other one was doing or the aircraft wow. would, uh, you know, before we'd launch from somewhere, dash two would usually be in a five to 10 foot hover and our crew chief would just look back, say, yep, they're ready. And we wouldn't have to say anything and you just taxi. I mean, it was just, it was great the way we operated and we, the way we'd move around each other. It was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, but it was, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Oh yeah. That, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. When you get into that, like that synchronized together, you're just throwing hand signals back and forth in air, all that stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's legit. <laughs> there were, and then oh, yeah. I mean, you have your pro words and code words, but I mean, even then we could do a lot without them, which was, which would made it even better because wow. uh, sometimes, sometimes somebody would do something uh, and hand an arm signal to the other aircraft. The other aircraft would just give a click over the, uh, over the freak. And it, all you'd hear was a click and that was it. That just meant Roger got it. And we already knew what they were saying. So um you know, you just you did as little. It just gave the enemy as little um, as they as you could uh, against you. So, man, that's incredible! Ah, oh. a lot of Marine a lot Corps. of fun. Look at you. I, I like the Marine Corps that much better right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was fun. I, I, it was a lot of fun. You just yeah, and that that's what made it. That's what made living in crappy conditions so much fun. You just you made the most of it. Yeah. And uh, plus, then you get back to America and you're like, holy smokes, land of plenty. I can do, you know, I've got anything and everything I want. Um, but it also makes you miss, miss your buddies uh, right. a lot, too. So, yeah, I'll say the same thing. Like, as far as me and the Coast Guard, one of my biggest <laughs> things that I miss is my swimmer brothers being in the shop with the boys and mm -hmm. going through the daily routines that we would go through. So, but it's a different yeah. world. It really it is. is. Yep. Yep. So for those that are in right now and that have that, embrace it. Embrace God the suck yep. and embrace the boys and girls that are around you that, that make your family because there's nothing like it. And when you get out, yep. it's it's just, it, there's something different. So 
you don't have it in the civilian world and and the people that have never served don't get it and they never will and it's not a bad thing it's just they won't they don't understand it they won't yeah nope it's all good it's all good yeah just uh just a little something that we get to take home with us you know that's right that's right i'm okay with that yeah so uh listen i i know that was the the story and thank you again for for sharing it i do want to give a little shout out to you right now because since the marine corps you've been doing a couple things on the outside including uh building your own company to help with a little bit of security you want to touch on that for a little bit uh sure yeah so after i came back from came back to the states um I started working for an aircraft manufacturer, Dassault Falcon Jet. They build the Falcon business jet. Amazing, amazing aircraft. Great company, great history. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And while I was working there, I thought, hmm, I want to use my GI Bill. So I earned my master's uh, degree in terrorism and counterterrorism studies. Nice. And while I was... Uh, while I was uh, working, I had somebody approach me one time so, and you have the NBAA, the National Business Aviation Association, and you have all the little subchapters uh, for each state or region, whatever, of the NBAA. And there was a, there was a person who uh, reached out to me and said, hey, uh, I know you used to do like military or security or something. We're having a safety security day uh, event coming up in a month. Would you want to give a presentation? And I thought, uh, yeah, I'm, I said, I'm just a, a student right now, and but I can give what I know and just kind of help out. And, she, and uh, they say, yeah, that'd be great. So I uh, put together this presentation and I gave this presentation. I just made it, uh, what I call it, I think the first was like counterterrorism, security and aviation or something like that. And I gave this presentation and I actually gave it uh, twice in the same day, one in the morning and the one in the afternoon. There are multiple courses going on throughout the day. And so at the end of each of these, I had multiple people coming up to me saying, immediately saying, hey, will you come train us? Or, hey, will you come talk to our executives? They need to know what's going on. Or, hey, can you know can you come back and, and talk with our flight department about this stuff? Now, from my master's program, from all my military days, from all that stuff, I already knew the threats that are out there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm starting to see that there's a lack of something being done about it or a lack of other people really understanding it. Now, a lot of the pilots and flight crew, the flight attendants, everybody, they knew it and they felt sketchy going into certain areas, but a lot of times the executives that they would fly to certain places had their own security or just didn't quite think there was anything worth putting security around. Yeah. So anyways, I got done uh, with those. And, and since then, there were probably five or six different times that I'd given this presentation in Minnesota and California and in Texas and, and these different places. And every single time I've had people come up asking questions, asking those same questions. Can you do training? Hey, we're having this issue. What do you think? of? And so I finally said, you know, I felt like God just went, hey, you need to do something about this. Yeah. And so I I finished up my master's degree. Um, and then what I ended up doing was starting my own business. Uh, I just call it Cassie for short, but it's Corporate Aviation Security International. And we have a team of um, all combat military vets and law enforcement from, from SWAT and SAU. 
who provide uh, specialized security services for corporate flight departments and, and uh, ultra high net worth uh, individuals, et cetera. And we can do, we have three categories of stuff we do, ATP, assessments, training, and protection. So we do all of those. And it's just been, it, it's pretty interesting to see how many people have come out and said, hey, can you come do this for us? Hey, can you, whether it's a protection site or, hey, we want training or, hey, we, you know, whatever. And so um, we're, we're getting busier and it's great. The, um, the, the, the types of missions we get to do, who we get to help, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better team. God really brought the most amazing guys to this team. Uh, and if I start talking about their backgrounds, your, your jaw would drop, but, uh, you know, I just go, thank you, God, <laughs> these guys yeah, are yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and you know, the caliber of people you've worked with them too. So, you know, yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. And so, um, yeah, so that's what we're doing right now. And we're, we're staying, we're staying busy. we got a lot coming up and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great stuff. And it, it, it surprises me that certain uh executives will because typically when we talk to some of these flight departments we'll talk to the chief pilot director of aviation they're the right hand woman or man to the executives regarding everything for the flight department uh you know the executives have their directors for each department whatever but a lot of times when it comes to security the response is hey yeah that's a good point uh, we'll look into that, but if something happens, we'll definitely start uh, looking into it or put some time and money into it. And you kind of <laughs> scratch your head and you go, that means that either one or more people are dead, one or more people have been kidnapped, aircraft's been destroyed, um, something's happened where you can't, you, your reputation's been destroyed and it's going to get around the world in two minutes with social media and you're going to lose business partners you can lose the value of your stock all these things are, you really want to wait until something happens to to do it so we're so the way my company is it's a very proactive um the, our mission is very proactive in protecting people and training them up so they don't get into a situation where uh something could happen so Anyways, it's uh, it's 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 interesting, and I think that's why you get so many of these flight department people saying, "Will you come train us, or will you come talk to our executives? Yeah. <laughs> you know, will you let them know, you know, exactly what you're saying?" And and all of our teammates, I mean, they they've been around the world, they've done things that you couldn't imagine, um, dealing with these kinds of issues, and so um, you know, I'm just I'm blessed to have a team, the kind of team we have, so. That's cool. That's, that's what we're doing right now. So yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, and I know it has not like not a whole lot to do with rescue, but I was digging it. I was like, that's why I had to ask. You know, I mean, what what you're doing out there to help protect those? You know, I dig it. Yeah, I like it. So we've got a lot of great people that that we get to work with, and and uh, as far as the executives, the uh, some of the ultra high net worth, the the flight crews are awesome people. I've known a lot of them for for many years. Wonderful, wonderful people. So it's it makes it even more fun because we get to do what we know how to do, and uh, we get to work with some some amazing people. So help them out. Oh, that's killer. Um, how did everybody get in touch with you? Uh, well, they could. Um, 
couple different ways, I guess. But the main thing is just uh, cassieprotects.com. That's our website. So it's C-A-S-I-Protects.com. Uh, you can go on there and reach out or info at cassieprotects.com um, and uh, reach out that way. So that's that's probably the best way right now. And then on the website, the phone number is on there as well. So if they want to call um, and if we're unable to answer, one of our teammates will get back to you. It's even best if one of our teammates will get back to you. Cool. Maybe yeah. one day I'll I'll hire you. I doubt it, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not worth nearly that much. All right, just right. saying. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the, the the people that can afford us are the people that need us. <laughs> hey, all right. I'm that's, not that's in that it. category. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, that's funny. Daniel, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to just listen to the story. And, you know, I appreciate you represented the Marine Corps because I don't have enough of those guys coming on. So everybody else is in the Marine Corps. You got a story. Come on. I want to hear it. I don't care what it is. Yeah, I'll have, I'll, have to, I'll have to reach out to some of my buddies. I know some of the things they've done. I'll see if they want to elaborate about it. <laughs> yeah i'm okay with that <laughs> but uh yeah i got one or two guys one one of my closest brothers in the entire world uh just came back from overseas and he's done some pretty crazy interesting things too so uh but yeah god bless our core god bless all our military and our law enforcement uh yeah wonderful wonderful people absolutely uh daniel i will catch up to you if i ever or the next time i get back to the states if i don't see you between right. now and next hai we'll make sure we connect all right yeah yeah no absolutely and thanks for the opportunity this is this is fun i appreciate it thank you yeah no thank you i like i said i, I love the stories i don't care what they are i just get into yeah. them <laughs> oh I, I, no no story i'm sure is the same you probably heard so many stories i, I no. i'd love to I need to sit down and listen to more of them because some of the things, places, things people have done, everything, it's just, you scratch your head and you're like, man, you can't make this stuff up. No, you can't. <laughs> and yeah, no, I totally can't. Right. right. Great. Anyway. Well, thanks, Daniel. I will, uh, I'll see you when I see you for sure. And All right. We, no, when sounds we get together, good. We're going to kick back a brew and we'll tell more stories. Hell yeah, right? we are. All yes, right. Absolutely. I dig it. Absolutely. And with that, ladies right. and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard.